0: Hello, my name is Elena Sanchez, and I am speaking with.
1: Uh, my name is Mark Embreeze. Hi.
0: Hi, Mark. What will we be talking about today?
1: Um, well, uh, today we're talking about the, the Great Boycott. We're going we're, to have a quick discussion of the uh, UFW and um, the many, uh, I guess, the many parts, well, at least in today, talking about two uh, points of interest. Interesting. So, uh, yeah.
0: <clears throat> what is your point of interest on the UFW?
1: Uh from my end, I am talking about the Coachella Valley faction of the UFW, which I feel like is underrepresented, un- underrepresented in the UFW because a lot of us have heard of the Central Valley UFW, a lot of us have heard of the Choppers, you know. But I feel like this region of California is so on un- like unspoken of like or at least not mentioned enough so that's why i kind of want to take it into that's kind of what i want to talk about Interesting. Uh, what about you what are you talking about
0: well first let me say that your topic is very interesting and i have not heard about it so i'm excited to learn more about that um on my end i will be talking about the filipinos and their involvement in the boycott so not many people know But the Great Boycott was actually started by the Agricultural Workers Organization Committee, also known as the AFL-CIO, that was led by Larry Itilong. It was a Filipino man. And so I want to focus on, I actually want to shine the light on Filipinos and their involvement. Because again, everyone knows Cesar Chavez and the Mexicans and their involvement. And nobody knows a true story of how the Filipinos started it off.
1: I'm kind of... I'm definitely interested to see how they tie it. Because, yeah, it is the first time I'm hearing about this, too. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll start with my topic, and then we'll move on to yours.
0: Yes. Tell us more about your topic.
1: Alright. All right. So, the United Farm Workers in the Coachella Valley. Oh, boy. Uh... It been, its actually quite a difficult thing to research for me. Um, I will say that it is interesting to know how you know how how like how much activism was there in the Coachella Valley. I mean, I mean, for starters, everyone knows where the Coachella Valley is, or at least I think I hope so. At least you're in California because that's where you go to that music festival every year. You know. Yes. But. <laughs> but a lot of activism was done there, you know, especially with the great boycotts. Um, the only, yeah, I mean, I was like when I started doing my research on this, the one thing I first stumbled upon what was happening in Coachella uh, during the '70s and '60s. Uh, you know, the, one of the more infamous events I would say is the uh, the march from the Coachella Valley to Mexico, a hundred miles. Wow. From the far, the Coachella Valley, all the way down to the United States-Mexico border, the border town of Calixco. In what actually, and currently when, by the time we're recording this, June 6th. So by now, it would have been over, I believe, 50 plus years ago at this point, point, sixty-seven. 70, yeah, about 50, 60 years ago. Uh, they marched. From the Coachella Valley in the heat of May and June, all the way to Calico, that was one I of the first things that. that hinted toward me at figuring out there's something more going on here yes. with the UFW. Um, <clears throat> and uh, looking into it a lot more, I mean, it's quite interesting. It's there. The UFW in Coachella has is facing a different battle than what they faced in the Central Valley. Instead of just miles of farms, we have farms in the north, there's a lot of deserts, it's very hot, brutal conditions, and in addition to that, um, the UFW also was facing violence from uh, other groups, and that's something I don't think is talked much about, which I still am trying to figure out a lot more on, but... From what I'm aware, there that has happened. There, there were many deaths <laughs> um, involved with the UFW um, from other groups, and I feel like that needs to be like talked about more, especially in the for the region because Coachella Valley, Southern California, you know, there was a large activism group there. Yeah, and there were deaths. And all we hear about, especially when I was a kid, all I heard about when learning about Cesar Chavez was the Central Valley movements. That's all I heard. I've never, not even one mention of the Coachella Valley. So it's something that I think needs to be expanded upon, something that needs to be, you know, at least men- yeah, mentioned, because I feel like I didn't even realize it until, you know, when I started, looking into
0: this, you know naively I I thought there was only farms in the Central Valley and so you look back at it and you're like wow that's kinda of, I don't wanna say ignorant but at the same time it is kinda of ignorant to assume that there's only Central Valley like no, you know on my end that's what I thought so for you to be mentioning the Coachella Valley it's really interesting I mean, I didn't even know there was farms out there. I know there's a lot of land, and I've been there. It's, it's very hot, so I can only imagine walking all of that. But I mean, so interesting. Yeah, I I had no idea.
1: Yeah, um, like yeah, today I mean, most, we we probably see some farms, like especially if you're going along like, Interstate Ten where it cuts through the Coachella Valley, um. mean obviously there's a big swath of land reserved for the festival nowadays and you know the city has modernized to an extent but yeah um not too long ago there were a lot more farms and you know a lot of them were for grapes and it was a prime target at the time for the ufw so what better way to promote activism there but it hasn't been mentioned a lot like in recent times or at least like here like especially in like in Western Southern California, maybe in the, maybe in Eastern Southern California, but probably not not enough. So I kind of want to just bring awareness to that. And also in a sense, compare the two, because yeah, we've all heard stories of the Central Valley. You all know what's going on there. I don't think enough people know what happened in Coachella. So I kind of want to tie those in together.
0: Right. Do you happen to know, How they were boycotting the grapes? Like, was uh, it through wine? moment? Or on the table? Quite.
1: Not quite. I am still looking into it. Like, I- I've been pretty busy, but I'm looking into, like, a lot of stuff. I'm looking into, like, uh, I must look into, like, how you know how they how like what 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 are the conditions they face like I okay. guess weather wise because you, you know yeah. it's a desert <laughs> we're talking about probably a hundred plus degree weather at times they would probably be dehydrated very easily I mean in addition to that yeah like how how would the protests the boycotts the marches how that would also have to be factored in because of the the climate of the region
0: so you so, mentioned. I'm sorry.
1: Go ahead, I mean.
0: <laughs> you mentioned a lot of deaths because of violence towards the people, right?
1: Yes, violence towards the, uh, pro- I guess, towards the protesters, towards the UFW from other groups. Yes, the Coachella Valley region faced a lot more violence than, you know, from the Central Valley.
0: You know, one one thing that would be interesting for your topic that you could look further into is um the health of these people like you're saying it's extreme weather it's an extreme distance and in the Central Valley when they were when they had their strike and they walked because I believe they also walked a lot in the Central Valley um a lot of people were getting sick and so farm workers you know they're not used to health benefits they don't know what that is so when they're sick they basically just ride out and a lot of people started, you know, to have extreme issues. And I think there was a food deaths in the Central Valley. That could possibly be another um, point of interest that you could look into, you know, in the Coachella Valley. Just because, again, it's very, very hot. And, I mean, if you're only going further south, doesn't it get a lot warmer? And it's all desert.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's just all desert. and. I don't know if it gets hotter when you go south in that instance, but I mean, still, yeah, it's a desert. It, it's going to get hot either way. You're going to be facing high temperatures. I'm fairly confident some have faced, you know, at least some semblance of heat stroke or dehydration at some point, you know, especially when walking along a route along, you know, areas like the Salton Sea, you know, where they have to, like, you know, where they have to walk through just to get to Calexico.
0: Yes.
1: So, I would not be surprised if there are instances like that. I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking into that a bit more, trying to see if I can find any actual examples of that. But I'm fairly certain that you know, it was not just a walk in the park. It was, it was, it must have been at least some sort, some sort of hell, I guess, you know, temperature wise. Wow! Thank but, you for
0: uh, sharing.
1: You were saying? Sorry. Thank
0: you. Thank you for sharing that.
1: No. Yeah. Um. I'm hopefully. Hopefully, I get to learn a lot more about what happened in the Coachella Valley. Um. Because yeah, it just it just doesn't feel like it's talked enough. But uh, now it's uh, now it's over to you. Um. So you were talking about the bond between the Filipinos and Mexicans in the Great Boycott. So tell us a bit more about
0: that. Yes. Okay. So, um. First of all, again, the Filipinos started the great boycott. So, before Larry Itilong, the leader, started the boycott, about a few years, plenty years, 60 years before it actually started, there were many people who attempted a boycott. But they were never successful for the simple reason that they didn't have the right direction. They didn't have the right leadership, and there was no union. And so, for Larry, he saw how the Filipino people, you know, they were they were struggling. And they were the minority in comparison to Mexicans, because Mexicans made up most of the farm workers. And so, he took it upon himself to start this. And so, his union was the Agricultural Workers Organization Committee. They were predominantly Filipino, and they were in association with the AFL-CIO, and um, he saw that he needed reinforcements, so he reached out to the UFW for help. So the UFW oh, came I along. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so the group. So it. What was the name of the group again? I'm sorry. It was the...
0: You're fine. The Agricultural Workers Organization Committee.
1: Agricultural Workers Association Committee. Okay. Yes. So, and they reached out because uh, their efforts, I guess, yeah, they weren't, um, I guess, developing faster, or at least didn't garner enough support, so they went on to the UFW. Yes. Or try to get support with the UFW. Okay. Yes.
0: They wanted to join forces with other unions. To further make it a bigger boycott, you know they they wanted to strengthen the boycott. I see,
1: and, and so, uh, I guess the only I guess the only question to ask there is how did that turn out?
0: <laughs> Let me tell you how that turned out. So the UFW joins forces right with the AWOc, which is their acronym, the Filipinos' acronym, and so they join forces. But again, the UFW is a lot bigger, a lot stronger, and, you know, they tend to take over. And so that's what happens. The UFW takes over, and they're taking certain measures that, in a way, make the Filipinos feel left out. And so the more they feel left out, the more discouraged they are to continue in the boycott. And Larry Itilon was strong about his identity you know he was a proud Filipino and so he saw that his people were not happy they were not happy because they were seeing changes but the changes were more positive for the Mexicans and with that alone the Filipinos felt left out you know they were not very happy because they felt the changes didn't represent them and they felt that it was not for them you know they kind of felt outcasted.
1: So, so essentially, by trying to by merging with the UFW for the boycott, they essentially just had it just taken away. They had their progress, their what their goals just swept under them by the UFW.
0: Basically, basically, so much that Larry stepped down as leader, and basically told Caesar Chavez, "You know what? Take over, and we'll be your reinforcement." you know, so that's when the UFW took over, and for that reason, now everyone thinks that the UFW is about the boycott, when really it was started by the AWOC with Larry
1: E.T. Lohan. Wow, that that, that, that kind of actually saddens me a bit, knowing that a lot of efforts from the Filipino community, you know, just to try to get, you know, a better opportunities i guess which just taken away by a bigger stronger organization Exactly. and, effect- and effectively and i think effectively you under the rug
0: No, oh, yeah and i mean Cause, like i say the changes were happening but how can you be how can you feel part of the change when you're being excluded because that is what happened you know they were being excluded they were they were the minority i mean and the mexicans were already the minority So imagine how it would feel to be the minority to the minority. It makes no sense.
1: That honestly, Jesus, wow, that is just unfortunate to know. You know, we always, I guess, yeah, in the sense we're always learning about the USW. You know, especially in our elementary days, middle school days. Now, now that we have an opportunity to explore the information for ourselves, you know, we're taking a just even, not even a quick dive into it and you find out some of the more nastier stuff that's happened. Um, how do you think, you know, you know, I guess now that we're like several years, now many years after all this, how do you think the Filipino community still feels about this? Do you think their opinion has changed or has it like been more positive? Uh,
0: you know, you say a few years, but there is still people alive that lived through this, so it wasn't that long ago. Um, I think that in today, the Filipinos are still a lot less than the Mexican farm workers. Because, again, you know, with immigration and people coming over, it's still a lot of more Mexican people coming in, and they make up most of the farm workers. So I think that if there are still Filipino farm workers they're still very much underrepresented. And you often don't hear about a Filipino farm worker. I mean, I had never heard about a Filipino farm worker in my head and again like naively I thought that only Latinos, you know, not just Mexicans but only Latinos were farm workers. And so you still don't hear much about it and I do have to further research on that. Um but there is a lot of, on YouTube, I found a lot of interviews with um, Filipino people and how they feel about being underrepresented. And so I'm still looking further into that, but it is very interesting to know that they deserved more representation, and it's interesting to know that they're the founding fathers, I guess you can say, of the boycott. The
1: founding fathers <laughs> of the great boycott. They do deserve more representation, to be honest. They
0: do.
1: I mean, yeah, much on the same boat to you. Naive to the fact that there were Filipino farm workers here in California. Mm-hmm. You know, even across the country, probably, too. So the fact that, you know, they've been kind of scrubbed out, or at least hidden, in, a, I guess, in a veil, is uh, quite ridiculous, I must say.
0: No, yeah, it
1: is. Um, yeah. I agree. Go ahead, sorry.
0: No, no, I agree one hundred percent. I'm telling you, you're bringing new you information. I'm bringing new information, and it's just all starting to connect for me, because again, the Great Boycott it started in Delano, but they spread across California, and so when it talks about the spread, I never heard of the Coachella Valley. So now you're bringing in another tie It's like a spider web, you know. It's all starting to connect. Yeah,
1: it's all all, all big web of information just coming together now. Exactly.
0: And the sad part is that you wouldn't be taught this on any level except for you're going out of your way to do research, you know? You have to take that initiative to find these things out, which is even more upsetting.
1: It's it's actually quite good to know, you know, all this information. To know what was Really, how the how the, how this boycott really developed. Now, I must say, um, since we're working on this, uh, I guess project, working on this information, uh, kind of want to ask you, um, how are you going to develop this with your uh, with your story maps that we're working on?
0: Okay, so just briefly, because we are running a little bit out of time, um, I've set it up so that i introduce who started the boycott so in my story map first i introduce larry itilong and their history with the filipinos A W O C organization and all of that and then i go into a few videos of the filipinos speaking on their rebellion you know and their need for the strike and the boycott and then I map it, I actually mapped it on my story map, I include a map of where this took place because this was in Delano, and then beyond that, I have introduced the UFW, and so then that's what I'm tying in the UFW into the picture, and so okay. I wanted to start with the Filipinos to really shine the light in the beginning, you know, and so now I'm going to the UFW, which they're going to take over even my story map, and so that's, that's how I'm going about it. How about yourself?
1: So very quickly for mine, uh, yeah, quick introduction to the Coachella UFW in general because I feel like I'm not, not a lot of people know about them. Uh, diving into what tactics they've used, you know, you know all the how different it is from the Coachella Valley. And I'm Diving into um, the what I guess what they're mostly known for—the march from uh, Cal from Coachella Valley to Calexico, Pardon me. Um, Going to dive that in. Add that into that a bit more then talk about i guess what they faced you know with the violence you know the the environments you know the stroke you know just trying to support the boycott keep it going and, and also think, trying to garner international support with mexico since you know not too far away and then i'm gonna wrap up with you know i guess their legacy i guess their legacy in coachella and you know how they are remembered Especially since they have a memorial site in Coachella, um, in a park, in a corner, but um, yeah. And then just wrap it up with uh, how they should be talked about more and how, yeah, how it just needs to be known that they were there.
0: Well, Mark, thank you so much for sharing today. I hope to hear more about this and to read more. Yeah.
1: Yeah, same to you. I mean, it was very interesting to hear uh, of the uh, of the Filipino and Mexican bond early on with the Great Point of So I've, I'm very much looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. You have a nice day.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. And if anyone, uh, you know, just do your research, you know, you learn something new every day. I mean, yeah. you both learned something new entirely. Yes. I agree. Two things. So go out there and uh, I guess, you
0: know power of education
1: the more you know All
0: right.